Hi, this is Riggs Eckleberry, CEO of Origin Clear, and welcome to the podcast Water is the New Gold, which is based on a briefing that I give every week in a webinar, and it really explores how water is changing disruptions. Go ahead, give a listen, and stay tuned. Hello, everyone. Riggs Eckleberry here, and uh, I actually had planned to no longer have this virtual background and have this really cool smart board. Uh, but we're still setting up the studio. And so bear with me. I won't have that ability to swish the lines and so forth, but it will happen. And, um, you know, we will have really cool production values in the future. Meanwhile, we do have an excellent uh, presentation for you. And I thank you for joining us. All right. So I'm going to go ahead. Tom Marchesella will be joining us. He's our co-panelist. But in the meantime, let's get started. All right. So here we are. Once again, on Thursday, the March 5th. So this is the first Thursday of the month. And we are, of course, talking about water as a new gold, helping you thrive in the world's only vital, scarce, and recession-proof market. As usual, we have the safe harbor statement where we have to say that these things might or might not happen. That is the standard thing we do. And also, I'll be discussing an investment offering. And there's a disclaimer on the right-hand side, which... You can read it further leisure when you see the transcript later on. So this is the schedule we have. We have a live briefing schedule and there is a, a video presentation like this on the first Thursday. And we summarize what's been happening, what's in store, what's going on, what's going on in water, what's going on in the world. And then also, of course, you'll be able to see a replay afterwards. And there's also a transcript on the website you can read. Like, what the heck was that word he used? Well, you'll be able to do it. Okay. So outside of that slot, we have our weekly audio briefings, and those are very about just the interim. It's more intimate, the updates, basically, and um, the cool developments, breaking news, and so on. This is available also on this podcast that we have, which is called Waters of New Gold, W-I-T-N-G, as we call it. It's available on all pl podcast platforms, and each show is posted immediately for you to listen to in your car, working out writing emails, et cetera. So I believe that Tom is joining us now or shortly, and uh, he will come on the line. But meanwhile, we'll just continue here. There he is, Tom. Hey, I finally popped in. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yes, uh, there was a little hiccup, but I'm glad you joined us. I'm, I'm just uh, basically launching the whole thing and talking about the podcast where these shows are posted and they're a very useful way to listen to shows that you might have missed, for example. Coronavirus, now called COVID-19. That is the official word. What's going on? What's happening? I must say there's so much noise about this. It's kind of disconcerting, but um, nevertheless, it's a reality in this marketplace, that's for sure. It's pretty scary, actually. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Do you realize in the town I'm living in, the hospital literally five miles up the street has two cases of it? And it's actually one of the nurses that got it. So they quarantined the entire medical staff, all the doctors and nurses she worked with right there for the next 14 days. They're all totally messed up. Yeah. Apparently, you'd be very smart to have 14 days worth of non-perishables in your home because if it comes into your neighborhood, well, you might just be spending two weeks in your home, which is good, except that we occasionally like to get out and get some uh, produce, right? Mm -hmm. Which... You know, people are going to just go They're like, oh, you're coronavirus. I'm just going to drive the Publix anyway. <laughs> I had to eat. Sorry, I made 100 people sick. 
Yeah, I know. I was at Home Depot today and some guy coughs. I go, oh, cripes. Anyway, um, just don't go to Home Depot, right? Absolutely. All right. So, so what is going on anyway? And so obviously we have a stock market that has gone bonkers here. This is the last, uh, this is the month. It was going along nicely, but you notice it was not going up. It was kind of teetering over. A lot of the indicators were that it wasn't headed for recession anyway. And uh, then of course, with the news about the shutdown of uh, China um, around the 20th of February, people realized just how bad it was and things crashed. We've had a steady recovery since then. Now, I'm not a stock market analyst, but I do want to show you some other, another thing here. Here is the long-term trend, and um, hopefully I can move this, this thumbnail video around so that you guys can see. But in the, in the scheme of things, this is since 1986. Even the 2008 crash was part of an overall rise. So it's important to not get completely overexerted about it. It's actually, it actually could be a lot worse. More importantly, there's a lot of other things to think about in the world. So for example, supply chain, what's going to happen with our supply chain? Well, China was closed for about a month. They're still very closed. And uh, my brother, for example, had to source some parts out of Europe instead of China. It's three times the cost. So there you have a problem with sourcing products, which is going to result in inflation. Another friend of mine has a protein powder. He'd paid everybody in China for all the packaging materials, and then he had to pay all over again to Malaysia and Vietnam to get the alternatives. So now he paid twice. So that's going to be tough, but there are enough alternatives out there that putting cost issues aside, it is available. And of course, I think it's going to be very positive for U.S. manufacturing in general. There's going to be a retrenchment towards your own country if you want to get things done in the future. Some winners, obviously, online meetings, what we're doing right now. Uh, we wouldn't be doing this in a, in a hall. There's a site called uh, What's Canceled Now, I think. <laughs> it shows everything that's been canceled, which is pretty much everything. So the online meetings, in fact, Cisco WebEx just uh, said they would uh, hand out free licenses to anybody who needed it so that they'd get through this. So that's kind of cool. Eating in, uh, you'll be ordering from people like Amazon Fresh. Cloud Kitchen is kind of cool. It's a startup by the founder of Uber, and it basically replicates a restaurant everywhere. So let's say there's a restaurant in downtown LA. Now this restaurant is being replicated in other parts of Los Angeles, maybe other countries. You have, let's say, 40 seats in a small restaurant in downtown. Well, now uh, Cloud Kitchen will put that same restaurant all over the valley, South Bay, Orange County, and deliver. Only for delivery. It's not no, no seats. So it basically explodes the whole four walls of the restaurant. And it's going to be very useful for this new time when people will think twice about traveling. Virtual shopping, obviously, going to the movies, it's going to be virtual. It's people going to a movie house right now. And I heard that the new bond has been pushed back to November. So theater movies are in trouble. But, uh, you know, Netflix, Amazon do just fine. Anything connected to the virus. Now, this is interesting. We've heard all kinds of things about 20 million, 30 million gloves being ordered and this and that and all this crazy stuff. You know, all the 3M gloves are out of stock in the U.S., for example. That's the obvious, around Purell sanitizer. Okay. But beyond that, what's going to be important? And this is where we get into interesting questions. COVID-19 has an oral fecal aspect, meaning that because people don't wash their hands, this and that, whatever, there's the actual transmission is through the feces. And uh, you can see that 
this is right here. We found the presence of, of what was called at the time, 2019 NCOV in anal swabs and blood. Uh, it's being transmitted through the oral fecal route. So that is really very, very important because it brings to mind the subject of water, right? Disinfection. Light alone, uh, there, was a, there was a WHO myths site where, by the way, you, you standing under a UV lamp, lamp is not, not going to keep you safe. What it's going to take for water and for everything else to kill the virus is something very powerful, such as what we had with this pig manure process, which took the five grams uh, per liter down to 0.21 grams, a 96% reduction in nitrogen, as you can see. And that is 10 times below what is required by the uh, Royal Decree of Spain of 2000. And we can apply that, obviously, if we apply it to create disinfected fertilizer, we can also apply it to human fecal disinfection. I hate to, <laughs> I hate to say it like this, but it is what it is, right? Well, you know, it's uh, actually, when, you, when you read the article, because you were sharing articles with me on the... I, th I forgot the one you messaged me without even telling me what you're, you were thinking of at first. It just says fecal matter and i'm like going Griggs, <laughs> you know <laughs> kind of laughing because like there's really no great words for it you know our, our whole industry stuck with these really crazy words like effluent you know it's a really polite word for saying you know, poop right you know and 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 black white, water black water right and then we have sanitary sewage you know it's kind of <laughs> sanitary but it's sewage <laughs> you know it's like That's okay funny. so it's kind of goofy when we're talking about this stuff but it, but it's important because i mean in the end of the day, you're telling people exactly where is the virus, and it's right there, which also means we have, obviously, we, we know what to do. So it's good. You know, it's a we do know what to do. So vest oxidation generates a huge amount of hydroxyl radical, uh, which is you know, a weird symbol, weird symbol OH. And that weird symbol means it's highly unstable. It combines with um, carbon at the situs provocation, meaning that it sucks away any contamination. And that includes spores, viruses, you name it. It's by far the most effective uh, disinfectant. And so we're going to be exploring further this AOX application to human fecal disinfection. And in fact, we've done that. We have published this cool case study of closed-loop black water. Black water is the cool word for poop. You can see how the, all this setup here was put underground and it completely operates kind of like those 50s movies where you went down 12 levels to get to the nuclear core, right? It's kind of those 60s movies call it. Anyway, the, the automated processes treat the wastewater to a tertiary standard. Tertiary means it's removed the nitrates. That's the final stage of water treatment. Not necessarily potable in this case. In this case, they only do it enough to uh, water the grass at this auto dealership in Pennsylvania, but they could go to potable if they wanted to. So then we have a future project. We're in discussions with a partner we like very much who has brought us, in fact, about a million dollars worth of business over the last four years. Very help, helpful partner. Well, I'm, I'm talking about a different one. I will talk about the other one shortly. But the, the, the longtime partner we're talking about here is one who helped us out in 2018 with some financing. And they have um, a very large they make a lot of money selling health products, let's put it that way. They're, they're very busy online and they are putting together a cosmetics line. They want to use our water super cleaned with the hydroxyl and use that as a differentiation for the cosmetics. Yeah, that's um, really cool though. And, and you know, when you, you, you 
when we talked about it internally because you know obviously anything with cosmetics you're putting it on your face right and you know a long time ago i had to do some business here and as you know cosmetics have to be like food ingredient level clean mm -hmm. you have sure. to theoretically be able to eat it which is an interesting topic for like cosmetics and uh, pharmaceutical companies as well so like to be able to be involved in like that super clean water project was super it's really interesting actually it's it's a really cool angle on things that we do so yeah these friends of ours are very enthusiastic about using aox to take water that's already clean and then really 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 get it super clean to a point where there would just not be any possible organics in in the water at all which is as you say really important for cosmetics and you just made me realize that the, the body lotion we have i could survive on that during the epidemic if necessary you're going to eat that if you get coronavirus oh you know there we are in quarantine it's like okay honey you got the shea butter anyway that's for now <laughs> So we don't have no uh, COVID-19 project specifically. I have to disclaim that, but we think that it is an important weapon and is, is going to rise. So please stay tuned. Expect increasing focus on higher quality and lower cost. I've been saying this now. These are economic work ripples coming out of it. Anytime you have a slowdown, you have a move to quality and a move to more efficiency. It's just how it is. It's actually a time when things get better. If you think about an economic slowdown, recession, whatever. Well, for example, in the, in the, as you recall, in the, in the year 2000 crash, Tom, it, it was all the crappy startups just went away. And we were left with the stuff that was worth something like Amazon. After 2000, for example, I managed to get help get um, yellowpages.com sold. It survived the year 2000 because it was a decent setup. So, and of course they had to tighten their belts and figure out how to make things work better. But in the end, they, they had a big win. Sold for, I think about $35 million which wasn't bad for what they were. Now we're seeing more filtration membranes being, being refurbished, but the quality must be equivalent to new. And this was the partner I was talking about, who uh, I was telling you about, who operates a uh, membrane servicing business. And he's finding that, he's finding that more and more of his customers are willing to go for refurbished to save money. Well, they have two alternatives. One, they can just keep doing new, but just stretch the life, right? Just use them too long. The problem with that is, is it damages the membrane and it makes that membrane pretty much trash over time because the cells start, it's kind of like a lung, right? And so the cells start just crunching down and then it can't be rescued. And so then you don't have the, re, the, you can't give them back the core, the core is worthless. So what's the smart thing to do is to observe proper schedules and just go for refurbish, which can be as good as new. This partner is, is seeing that happen and we're gonna be you know, uh, working with him and, and he's gonna be advising us. Well, he already is. As I was saying, he's brought us about a million dollars of business in the last four years. And here's the other example, which we're gonna get into and we're gonna talk about that, Tom, selling a pump and lift stations that in our case can last 75 to 100 years for less price than equipment that will last 20, 20 to 25 years. So what is that all about, huh? Pump, pump, pump it up. <laughs> Disruptive pricing. Today, we announced that we have been able to break the price barrier on these prefab modules. Even though they have a lifespan of up to 100 years, they compete with precast concrete, which was cheap, but not cheap enough, apparently, because uh, it's, it, it takes, in, a, in 100 years, you'd be buying four of them. Now, you say, well, I'm not going to live 100 years. Yeah, but cities do, and, and they're aware of having, to, you know, not 
all of these units come up for repair at the same time. And they're constant. It's, it's kind of like having an incandescent life, life bulb versus an LED. Some, at one point, you just get an LED. You don't have to keep taking the ladder up to the ceiling and change that incandescent because now it's a long life LED. We, how do we do it? We eliminated all engineering design charges. So Tom really was uh, in charge of the learning process. We sold about half a million dollars in custom sales. And then um, we found that uh, a very large budget for the uh, custom engineering was just redlined out. And uh, we're, we are, well, what's it doing for you and Michael on the sales side? Well, what it, it, what it does is opens the market up, obviously, because we can compete now on price as well as our quality, which is, is great, you know, because they always say, you know, if you want to go to the uh, five piece of marketing, you know, it's product and price and promotion, right? So I get all three now, which is super cool. So I have a great product, obviously. I'm better than concrete. There's no doubt about it. I mean, when you deal with concrete, which is going to deteriorate and get corroded versus, you know, our assets, uh, SRTP plastics, which is going to last much, much longer and be much more rugged. You know, there's no comparison between the quality of the product. We're, we're definitely higher. But when, you know, if we came in too high in price versus concrete, you know, the good old boys still wanted to buy kind of the way they used to do. So now with our better pricing, now we have a parity situation on equipment to equipment, right? So now there's not that issue anymore. And theoretically, if we continue to roll them out, we could even be coming in a little bit less than those concrete bunkers. Because when you think about the installed cost, ours is going to roll on a truck ready to go and drop straight into a hole. And they're going to still have to, you know, pour some concrete in place and put footings and do all this wonderful stuff over there. Still going to cost them more money than ours to put in place. And of course, you know, Mike and I like to promote. So, you know, yeah. that's as, as you do too, obviously. And I think we really, we're going to be able to promote a lot better because we're going to be very clear about what we do, very clear about our price. And we're going to be like, Hey, this is an obvious choice. And then, you know, hopefully you get into it, but it's not just us saying we're great. It's also the cities, as you notice, saying we need to make a change because they're really recognizing that the concrete methodology of doing these pump and lift stations is failing and they're spending a lot of money. And now they're even getting mandates that are coming saying, well, you, you really have to find an alternative. You can't just keep doing the same old thing for 20, 30, 40 years and getting the same breakage. And they're tired of the breakage because that breakage costs them a lot of money. It's not just the equipment. It's also digging up the ground. Nobody, it, it's ridiculously expensive to do it the way they're doing it right now. And we're coming in here with just a much better way of doing this. So the price itself is lower, uh, shorter install times with less two days or three days instead of two weeks, which is a big cost advantage. And then of course, there is the life cycle value, which is that literally it is when you spread out over hundred years, it's, it's one quarter the price of these precast concrete modules. And in fact, as I was saying last week, a city in the mid-Atlantic area that actually said, that's it, we're mandating uh, heavy-duty plastic enclosures for our pump stations. And they pointed to Origin Clear as the prime example. Of course, the consultant, you know, consultants do what cities do, cities say. And so they ran off and called us up and now we're working with them. So uh, this is a really a good thing. Now, by the way, we have 69 participants and uh, that's double what we had at the beginning. So I'm going to recap a little bit in, in a bit. But, and there's but, also an active chat, which I do see some people asking questions. Good so point. We, we, Very we good point. In line, because they were asking, do we make them ourselves? And the answer is yes, we make them ourselves. Yay. <laughs> we manufacture them down in Texas, which is awesome. 
Now, obviously, we, we get different plastics from different suppliers, and then we do the actual work to put it all together, do the fittings, you know, put the pumps inside, test them out. We deliver on site. We actually do the install. So, yeah, it's our product and a product line. Uh, we also have the IP with the patents and so forth. That is our proprietary technology. It's Intellectual property. We have five patents, indeed. Uh, licensed from Mr. Dan Early. So thank you. And you can keep, because I don't actually, on the screen share, I don't actually see the chats. So if you see them pipe up, you'll be, you'll be my, my monitor. I will, I will be the chat monitor. No problem. <laughs> okay. So at the bottom of the screen, what you see here is we're looking down into a pump station. Now, what's the difference between a pump station and a lift station? Very simple. Lift equals waste. So when it's lift station, you're lifting wastewater. When it's a pump station, you are pumping fresh water. Upper, upper gradient typically. In this case, and they can be wet wells or dry wells, it depends on the application. But in fact, right here is, we don't know if this is gonna be a wet well or dry well yet, it's just been installed, but you see the heavy duty plastic and it's got a honeycomb surface in between. So it's, what it is really is water pipe, is a pipeline material used for oil and water pipelines. And we cut segments in it, high density polyethylene is what it is, but it's got sandwich construction. So you've got water bottles made of high-density polyethylene, but this is two layers of that with the honeycomb in between or corrugation. And then at the bottom, what you have is a pump. It's a very simple, on the top right, you can see it's simply um, a shaft, a well with a pump. It's the simplest thing possible. And in fact, there are hundreds of thousands of them in each city. There's a huge number of them. The failure to maintain these is leading to as much as 32% net revenue loss, meaning a third of every dollar that the utilities could make is being lost. So it's important to uh, these wells to continue to operate. Now, yeah, we work a lot with businesses at the edge, but it so happens that this business is intensively municipal. And in this case, uh, they're finding that they just have to spend the money. We believe that we are going to get very strong market share by having this combination of ridiculously better product as well as a 75 to 100 year, we think longer, uh, rating on the, on the material. So for those of you who join us, we've been talking about the whole, what's called COVID-19, the coronavirus, the new coronavirus, as it's called, and its, its effects, of course, in the stock market which is, is actually you know, really responding better than I thought it would, it would. And also the trends that are accelerating. So there was already a trend towards online movies, you know, eating in all these things. Well, all these you know, online uh, Zoom webinars, these are intensified. And for us, the, 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 what's being intensified are two things. Number one is more and more stuff happening at the edge, businesses doing their, their own water treatment, but also a move toward quality and lower costs, combination of. So that's what we've been discussing so far. And I might add that there's also a move towards, I think we're going to see a lot more happening in product development, the, the development of technical products having to do with dealing with this fecal matrix that propagates. God, that's how I was using about 325 cent words there. Basically, poop is the method by which the virus travels. So it's always, always fun and different. Well, here's what it's about, more economic ripples. So if we go back a little bit, there's the fecal issue where we have the fact that it's kind of like, you know, how, you know, Lyme disease is transmitted through a mouse, then a deer, then a this, then a that, it, different hop. This is, this is uh, what's called shedding, right? 
And so it's being shed. Let me help them explain shedding. Remember that lovely graphic I gave you today? Go for it, dude. Do you have it uh, by chance? I I have it, but you know, I I would, this, this training would slow down. So go ahead and. Why don't we make it easy for the audience? So it's like super simple to understand. So as sad as this might sound. So when all of us have to do our duty every day, uh, whether, you know, you're using the restroom or so forth in China, the reason why it kind of caught on so hard in uh, Wuhan or wherever the, you know, I think that's what, how they pronounce it, right? They actually also looked back at the SARS virus that kind of outbroke, you know, years back in 2009. And they had correlations between the two. So, you know, it's not just about airborne when somebody's sneezing, you know, you know and gets into your lungs. But they're also saying, well, how do I get a piece of bacteria like, you know, in or virus actually in your body? And so they're saying, uh, well, you can touch a surface, whether the surface of a counter or the surface of, you know, a toilet seat, and you can get it on your hand and, you know, right in your mouth. Or, unfortunately, you can take it and touch food. So if you're in food preparation, you can put it on food, and then you can spread it to all the people that touch the food. The other way it was getting around was they actually found that in China they have open toilets. It's true. It's like latrines, you know, kind of like uh, when you go Turkish toilets. Yeah. Yeah, Turkish toilets. So those Turkish toilets have no lids. They're basically just, you know, a long line of holes. And so what's happening is the, uh, the virus is, you know, creating- Well, it's, it, it's okay. okay. To be fair, it's not jumping through the air, but what's happening is people are grabbing onto the handles mm-hmm. at, the, at the side, right? So in order to pull themselves up, they're using the handles and the doors and so forth on the stalls. And it is problematic, shall we say. Because right. perhaps there's not as much hand washing going on. I don't. Here's don't where we get into it because it's like we're getting the basics of the obvious, right? That's the obvious. Right. The obvious is this very obvious. Don't touch that. <laughs> it's contaminated. And then we're getting into the well. What happens when it goes downstream, right? Because we always deal with downstream, which is downstream water. Well, guess what? If water is contaminated in point A, but it happens to roll downhill to point B, it's still contaminated. It's just now contaminated in two spots. And so also the pipe that runs along between the two spots, also contaminated. And if you pump it and send it to another place, you've just pushed the contamination to another spot. So now you're getting into the whole idea of like, well, if the water's busted, you moved it over to an irrigation system, sprinkled on crops, you push it through piping in a building. That was the article I sent you, which is- Right, right. We'll get into that in a minute. Or you basically did some other stuff, say a hospital, where there's people treating all the sick people, and they're throwing away cotton swabs and throwing away bathroom stuff and blood and all that's contaminated. And that's now going into the system in the building. Well, guess what? All that contamination is still hanging out in there. So water treatment comes in because now we step in at one of those points to hopefully closest to the contamination point, not so far down line and put a treatment piece in there. And treatment can be either chemical treatment or you can go with UV disinfection treatment, or you can stop, you know, having other things that we could be able to do, but you got to be able to treat it. So like chlorine, for example, treats it, right? Or bleach or the same, same kind of concept. And so this gets into where does water treatment equipment actually help reduce the theoretical contamination of water that's now wastewater. And so that's really, you know, I think that's, you know, trying to tie it together, obviously, you know, because we could talk about the scariness of coronavirus, but we should also talk about how our industry deals with all these things all the time because they've been dealing for a long time. They've been dealing with flu and, you know, SARS and, you know, all, even Ebola. There's even a whole 
thing about how not to give Ebola to people in Africa, basically, by treating the septic systems. You know, we're not going to get into it too deeply because I have a, you know, I have a wonderful rest of the presentation, but you're talking about, for example, this issue with the pipes. This all says that you need to treat the disinfect the water at the point of use. It's much safer to not just send it along down, you know, through, through tanks, reservoirs, pipes, and so forth, because as you pointed out today, the pipes themselves are a source of propagation. Yeah, they did. Remember, they, they quarantined an entire building, 25-story building, because a guy on floor number two and a guy on floor number eight both got it. And they're like, hey, how'd you both get it? You're the same building, but you're way far apart. It's because it was you know, cruising through the pipes of the building. Think about that. I'll just, uh, I guess we, these days we have to. So bottom line is that we have expertise in the area. Our advanced oxidation delivers a disinfecting uh, solution based on the hydroxyl radical, which is very powerful. We have uh, various projects working, for example, super clean water and cosmetics and so forth. The focus on higher quality and lower cost, talking about the pump stations. And now let's, and just to wrap that up, here's, a, here's what a pump station looks like when we've buried in the ground, you just don't even see it. We are the industry leader in these fully engineering systems. They are prefabricated and again, heavy plastics. And what's key here is robust computer control systems. Now, here's another cool thing. Today, our, our own Dan Early was doing a lunch and learn at a large sales rep organization, gives us a lot of business. And he was talking about how all this, these pump stations, you know, first of all, all the residue from manufacturing is 100% re recyclable. And eventually, 100 years later, when you get rid of that pump station, it's 100% recyclable and it's very easy to do as opposed to the steel and forget about concrete. Trying to recycle concrete, it's basically worthless. You can use it for, a, you know, put, put in the ocean to, to, to stop wave erosion, but that's about it. So that's a really big, uh, cool thing about it. All right, so then we have, I want to talk a little bit about this cool topic of exponential organizations. What the heck is an exponential organization? Well, you've seen it. And on the right, we have the six Ds of exponential organization. This comes, you can find us on the Singularity University website. And basically it's a chain reaction of technological progression, a roadmap of rapid development that always leads to enormous upheaval and opportunity. So you start out by digitizing things. And then you get into what's called a deceptive uh, growth, which it doesn't look so fast, but it's going to be exponential. Like what we were seeing, you know, in seventies, eighties, where technology was slowly starting to coalesce, but this started to explode in the nineties. Then in disruptive, where the existing market is disrupted by this new stuff through exponential technology growth. And then we have demonetization. And that is where less and less money is being spent on things because it's more and more virtual. And that's where we get into the dematerialized, removing physical products, and finally democratize where everybody gets it. How can we be an exponential organization? Obviously, we wanna get all the way down to where water treatment is democratized, right? It becomes what everybody's doing. As I always say, uh, you've heard me say this before, Tom, in California, we won't see the high-speed bullet train. We will see the Google self-driving car. Why? Because we already have freeways. And so, and it's the, it's the democratized solution. People already have cars, et cetera. But how do we get that train though? It would have helped a lot, especially when I used to go back and forth from San Diego to LA. It's been great. 
<laughs> Sit there and read or write or work. Yeah. Well, remember, I used to take the train up all the time to our LA office. It was great. I would just take the little business train and get off all the time. I loved it. It was fantastic. Matter of fact, all about you. This, I pulled this book off my shelf. It's actually, it's called Abundance. It's Peter Diamandis's uh, book, the guy who created, you know, the, the, the organization we were just talking about, as a matter of fact. And it, it, it talks all about everything we just talked about. It's really cool. It's all about the future is better than you think. And actually, I, I kind of like that because that's always what you're talking about. You're, you are talking about the future. Every time we're talking about the things we're doing, the concept of our modular water systems is about doing things better in the future. And if you believe in the idea of abundance and you believe in the idea that you could democratize the things you talked about, you get to grow and scale because your thinking's right. You're thinking about like, oh, I don't need to wait around for the municipality and big government to tell me what to do because you as a business owner can take action now and make something happen. So it's kind of, I like that. It's cool. So uh, Peter Diamandis, as you said, is the guy who put this together at Singularity University. Uh, marvelous guy. Um, and he's got this concept of the exponential organization. Water today is not exponential. It's heavy systems, it's centralized, it's old school. It's like mainframes in the 50s. And that all changed. Today we have mainframes, it's called the cloud. We're, we, know, we know how to brand things sexy these days. We call it the cloud. But we still have the profusion of so many of these PCs. So you can still have central systems, but the load is taken off. The cloud today is not used for computing, it's used for storage, right? All the computing is happening at the edge. And so we want that similar thing to happen where the central processing of water is really all about providing fresh water and then receiving treated water to send it along or whatever, but not to try and process it. That's not very efficient. Processing should be done at the edge. Well, how do we become exponential? First of all, standardization of the modular water system units so that it's all box standard, water system in a box. Secondly, they have connectivity and remote control so they can be managed from remote. The guy shows up at your location and well, why are you here? Oh, your pump is down. Really? Didn't even know it. Boom, changes the pump. Why? There was connectivity, there was a network operating center. And it depends on sensors. And then especially projects mandated to be fully network managed. Now that is a, a very good example of what we will be doing. For example, if you're talking about maintaining somebody's uh, array, they've got, you know, 48 or 72 filtration membranes. They don't necessarily know which ones are, are 100% or, you know, within tolerance, but we know because we have sensors and we're remote, remotely managing it and we can show up with the new or re refurbished membrane and the guy or gal didn't even know that. Finally, the water industry must be disrupted to move beyond current levels of purity. And that's what our, our tagline that you came up with there, above and beyond clear water. How do we move beyond current levels of purity? M municipalities do not provide the quality that, they provide a basic quality. It's kind of like Medicare part A. But guess what? You need part B, right? Yeah. I just heard that this is gonna be free coronavirus care as part of part B. <laughs> <laughs> you get tested for free as part of part B, but not part A. So part A is super basic. And that's what the water, this is why we all buy uh, filters in our homes. Well, let's, let's change that so that we have clean water. It's not going to happen at the center. It's going to happen at the edge. Okay. Moving on here because I, I you know, don't want to lose you guys. Central infrastructure cannot keep up. And I had an example that just happened on Tuesday, despite a hundred billion dollar backlog in 
building projects for education. On the 3rd of March, Tuesday, voters defeated here a $15 billion bond measure. So guess what? California schools, universities, et cetera, are not going to be maintained properly. So budgets are inadequate. You have union problems, for example, down in San Diego, there's a big fight going on. It's a big disruption. You got built up cities. Now you're gonna like tear everything up to, to run lines. And finally, not in my backyard. Just imagine people agreeing to have a sewage plant in their neighborhood. I don't think so. The only possible way forward is water autonomy, which is our word for users doing their own. And we make that possible with compact, prefabricated on-premises water treatment. And that's where we are definitely pioneers. Okay, just a little while ago, I was asked on the Q&A, how can I invest? And uh, Corey, uh, we're gonna tell you about, about that. My answer was, first of all, are you an accredited investor? Because currently to get an investment with us, you have to be accredited. Uh, what does that mean? Well, it means that you're, you're making $200,000 a year or with your spouse or your, your, your domestic partner, you're making 300,000 or you have a million dollar net worth, not including your home. This is, it's not the 1%, but it's awfully close to it. The 1% starts at about, um, the median for 1% is uh, I think 440,000. So you're in perhaps the top 5% of uh, working Americans. We have an offer for you, but we have a, an offer for everyone else and I will tell you about it. So the current offering that we have is, Corey, I'm sorry, you said you're, you're losing me. So very simple, if it's about accreditation, if you are accredited or a foreign investor, we don't want to sell you stock. We don't think that's a great idea. We're still in development, stock gets diluted. You don't need that. You want stability. In this new era of very conservative investment, you want to lend us money essentially secured by our revenue division. We'll pay you a dividend, 8%. And guess what? People aren't going to be making anything in their savings accounts now that the Federal Reserve is going down to zero. And we'll give you a stock grant for half of the investment. So if you invest $100,000 or $10,000 or whatever, out of $100,000, $50,000 worth of stock is given to you. And it is price adjusted, which means it is protected against any price drop. And what Ken is telling us, and if you talk to Ken, he'll tell you this, be a lender, not a speculator. You'll get to speculate, but not on your dime. In other words, you're getting paid back the full principal in two years. You're making it percent along the way, and you're getting free stock that is also price protected. There is no offer that is more generous out there. Now, why, we, why do we do it? Because frankly, we're tired of going to Wall Street. Wall Street, Wall Street investors have only harmed the stock. If you want to know why that's happened over the years, it's very simple. It's, uh, it's Wall Street looking out for their best interests and not ours. We know that accredited investors are wonderful for us. We'd rather pay you, simple as that. Okay, so then we have the other possibility. This is open to all investors. You do not have to be accredited, just a limit of 10% of, of annual income. So if you're making $40,000 a year, you can invest $4,000. These things are priced at $25. That's because they're not shares that you can sell and buy and sell in the market. That's just, if you invest $1,000, then you'll get 40 shares, basically. Those will pay you 10% dividend yearly paid every month. So that's 10%, right? It's pretty good. But 
Here's the difference. Redemption is at company option, whereas in the case of credit investors, it's a forced repayment in two years. And finally, there is a conversion option. You can, down the road, convert this to shares. But I want to warn you that we're not marketing this at this time. This is all I'm only telling you. It's already been filed publicly. We hope it'll be available soon. In the meantime, invest, invest in the market or hold on to your, your shekels and we'll be there soon. All right, to talk about this, about investing in Origin Clear and get a piece of this uh, water revolution that we got going and, and potentially what we'll do in the area of, of helping human health with this horrible fecal connection with coronavirus. If we get to that, feel free to call Ken Berenger at our central number, 323-939-6645, extension 201. Michael Mann, the wonderful Michael Mann, 206. And Devin Angus at 116. Why do I say Michael Mann's wonderful? Because he was the brilliant guy who said, okay, let's cut the cord, get rid of the engineering services and uh, got us selling a standardized box standard product, which we're very grateful for. You can always email investorosionclear.com. That will go to Devin Angus. And if you want to get to me, then definitely you can uh, call him or email him. You can also reply to one of my newsletters. That's an easy way. I hope that all the chats have been answered. Am I right? Pretty much. There's, there's not too many other chats. If anybody has a question and you throw it out right now, we're happy to, to add a couple uh, in questions that you guys have. Uh, we'll all read them off. And then obviously, uh, you know, Riggs, if you wanted to revisit any particular topic that you're particularly excited about, you know, there were, obviously you can, you can crush on coronavirus and your thoughts there. Uh, you can go back in the stock market topic. I, I think you were actually onto something interesting earlier where you were, you were talking about how the markets do correct. Obviously coronavirus is a bit of a shock. Mm -hmm. And you, you actually were telling me a good story the other day where you were explaining how like in the macroeconomic markets where you have these very large multinational companies like the General Electrics who work in the water industry, obviously they're gonna take an impact because they have exposure to Asia and they have exposure to other countries where the slowdown is going to impact them in a very serious way in their stock. So there's now 30 stocks, which there's only 30, are multinationals. However, because we're domestic predominantly and because we're small and nimble, you know, we don't really have that same level of impact. So you were talking about how like a smaller company like us gets to kind of run more efficiently in times, whether they're up or down, because we don't have that impact like the multinationals are who are always running by the quarter all the time, so to speak. So you should talk a little bit more about that because I think it's relevant. Well, I, I think you've covered it very well. I mean, the fact is that, you know, we're in the wonderful position of not having billion dollar projects that are, might be put on hold, right? We're actually in the smallest beautiful category of dealing with the business users at the edge, like that auto automotive dealership in, in Pennsylvania or that trailer park in Alabama, et cetera. These, are the future users. These are the users that we'll see uh, take off in the marketplace and we own them. So we don't have the burden of trying to sort of go, oh my gosh, to somehow keep it alive. And oh, good question from Vince Donovan to all panelists. Are you dependent on China in any way? No, we are not. And this is very, very interesting because Tom, you've been leading a departure for us, uh, phasing away from China and very, <laughs> That's not my friend, because we were not happy with our China uh, operation for a variety of reasons, including the intellectual property protections. 
and he stabilized a lot sooner than we all noticed but remember we were getting like these really weird conversations even from the guys who we work with over there they just were all of a sudden they weren't really dependable remember china went through like three hits in a row remember when all the people were leaving china because the government's cracking down on free trade and all these people are jumping over to taiwan and singapore and they're trying to get out of there because they're like oh my gosh i've had this great 10-year run right it's coming down and then america's going up and china's not going up and then coronavirus hits, right? So you got three things in a row it, were impacting China. And we're sitting here looking at it going, not the greatest market for us. We're not really getting these great vibes out of China, right? But we were getting awesome relationships in Europe and we're getting really good relationships in India and even like guys in Australia who are interested in us. But China wasn't really giving us a love, were they? So the short answer is that we have actually ramped down our exposure already to China even before this happened. And uh, we announced this close relationship with Permionics in India. Well, that was intended to take over servicing the entirety of Southeast Asia. How many, you know, Vince was asking how many can you produce in a month? And correctly, Tom said we do about uh, five to seven per month. But here's the thing, there are multiple plastic fabricators in America and they're all American. And they, what the, these guys are doing is building huge pipelines thousand mile pipelines. We're taking tiny sections of those for these, these high density polyethylene uh, reinforced units. So we're not necessarily a big customer of theirs. You know, it's like one, one time years ago, I wanted to build a couple bean bags. I call it the bean bag manufacturer. And they go, can I buy some bean bags? They go, well, minimum order is 6,000 tons. <laughs> it's like, okay, uh, not, I guess not. <laughs> we're a small fry to the pipeline manufacturers, which is good because it's not easy, we're not gonna overwhelm them. Point I'm making is it's very easy to ramp up the sales of these and the production. Yeah, it's, right. it's actually really easy because there's, there's the two parts like you brought up. Plastic, you can ramp. I mean, we could theoretically move 100 units a month of just the plastic parts with no problem at all. And we had plenty of capacity to go beyond that. The issue is more about like, where are we right now in our production line? And then where would we scale to? Like, cause we had to step our way through. So. You know, we, we had an optimal way of doing it right now, but we, we obviously, if you're selling more, we just put more men on the line. We run two shifts, we expand the ops and, you know, continue to go. So, you know, getting to 20, then 30, then 50 units a month would be wonderful, you know, but we don't yet do that. We've just got to, you know, kind of move our way up the curve. So, well, Tom, that is your problem, isn't it? I mean, basically, I don't really care. You're just going to deal with it. You know, it's your headache. <laughs> I'm sure I will hear more about it. I was like, why haven't you sold that many of this month? That's funny. <laughs> we got okay. Question. And Vince was asking if the market wised and found out your product was what they needed, could you respond to that sales movement? Well, here's the way we do it. You don't expand from a central point. What you do is you distribute it, right? This is what we learned in the technology world. We have uh, partners that we can rely on who we know already. Uh, we're talking about acquiring them, but you know, along the way to acquiring somebody, you partner with them, right? And so we're able to, we, we've already in fact uh, qualified other manufacturers as backup fulfillment houses to deal with the precisely that problem. And you know, the problem is not manufacturing. What takes all the time is talking to all the players, you know, the consulting engineers who talk to the city, the architects and this and that and the other thing. Now we have, we have shortened that loop by making it, hey, it's a standard product, dude. But nonetheless, that's most of the trouble. But even assuming that we were swamped with business, which I think 
given our standardization and our pricing, we're going to see a lot of action, then we would be able to lay off the work to others. And of course, becoming more prosperous, we'd be able to acquire them. So there we go. So with that, I, I hope that uh, not too many people were, were bored by, by the experience. We still have 49, so people have been falling off. I want to thank you all for sticking through it. It's been very interesting. Remember that every week I do more intimate, just me on the phone, and it's shorter. And it's much more topical about what's happening this week and so forth. I'll be continuing to report what's happening with the, the new coronavirus, what's happening with the market, how are we responding, taking advantage of these deals we're doing right now that I cannot talk about. You notice in these calls, we're not saying such and such a company and so forth, because if we have not announced it, we say premionics because we announced them, but there's A, B, C, D, E company that we're doing deals with. We don't announce them. There's a deal that we'll be talking about in the Middle East that has been done, but we can't say who it is because it hasn't been announced. So stay tuned. Do join me every week. And then next month, we'll be seeing you uh, first Thursday of the month, which will be the 2nd of April will be the next one. It'd be a great pleasure seeing you all. Thank you. And thank you, Tom, for joining. Uh, it was a great pleasure. Can do. Have a good night. Well, that's it for the podcast. Thank you for joining. And I do hope you stay subscribed. If you'd like to interact with me live, then join me each week at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern for the Zoom webinar. Sign up at originclear.com slash CEO. And thank you.